Audible presents the New York Times Audio Digest for Friday, December 6, 2013. On this morning's front page, Nelson Mandela, fighter, prisoner, president, and symbol, dead at 95. And Congress nears modest accord on the budget. In today's national news headlines, a return to solvency but a problem unsolved. Two detainees at Guantanamo are sent to Algeria, and a meningitis outbreak strikes two colleges. In today's business headlines, faster pace of growth may not last very long, investors pull money from Lampert's hedge fund, and treating allergies with pills or drops instead of shots. There will be more business stories, more national and world news, a roundup from the sports page, and the opinions of New York Times columnist David Brooks. Now from the editors of the New York Times, here are the stories on today's front page. The top story, South Africa's conqueror of apartheid, Nelson Mandela, dies at 95. The story is reported by Bill Keller. Nelson Mandela, who led the emancipation of South Africa from white minority rule and served as his country's first black president, died Thursday night. He was 95. The South African president, Jacob Zuma, announced Mandela's death. Mandela had long declared he wanted a quiet exit, but the time he spent in a Pretoria hospital in recent months was a clamor of quarreling family, hungry news media, spotlight-seeking politicians, and a national outpouring of affection and loss. Mandela ultimately died at home at 8.50 p.m. local time and will be buried in the village of Kunu, where he grew up. Mandela's quest for freedom took him from the court of tribal royalty to the liberation underground, to a prison rock quarry, to the presidential suite of Africa's richest country. And then, when his first term of office was up, he declined a second term and cheerfully handed over power to an elected successor, the country still gnawed by crime, poverty, corruption, and disease, but a democracy respected in the world and remarkably at peace. The question most often asked about Mandela was how, after whites had systematically humiliated his people, tortured and murdered many of his friends, and cast him into prison for 27 years, he could be so free of spite. The government he formed when he finally won the chance was an improbable fusion of races and beliefs. When he became president, he invited one of his white wardens to the inauguration. Mandela overcame a personal mistrust bordering on loathing to share both power and a Nobel Peace Prize with the white president who preceded him, F.W. de Klerk. And as president from 1994 to 1999, he devoted much energy to moderating the bitterness of his black electorate and to reassuring whites against their fears of vengeance. The explanation for his absence of rancor is that Mandela was that rarity among revolutionaries and moral dissidents, a capable statesman, comfortable with compromise and impatient with the doctrinaire. When the question was put to Mandela in 2007, after such torment, how do you keep hatred in check, his answer was almost dismissive. Hating clouds the mind. It gets in the way of strategy. Leaders cannot afford to hate. Except for a youthful flirtation with black nationalism, he seemed to have transcended the racial passions that tore at his country. Those who worked with him said this apparent magnanimity came easily to him because he always regarded himself as superior to his persecutors. In his five years as president, Mandela lost some luster at home 
as he strained to hold together a divided populace and to turn a fractious liberation movement into a credible government. Some blacks complained that he'd moved too slowly to narrow the gulf between the impoverished black majority and the more prosperous white minority. Some whites said he had failed to control crime, corruption, and cronyism. Some blacks deserted government to make money. Some whites emigrated, taking capital and knowledge with them. Undoubtedly, Mandela had become less attentive to the details of governing, turning over the daily responsibilities to the deputy who would succeed him in 1999, Tabu But few among his countrymen doubted that without his shrewdness, South Africa might well have descended into civil war long before it reached its imperfect state of democracy. After leaving the presidency, Mandela brought that moral stature to bear elsewhere around the continent as a peace broker and champion of greater outside investment.